Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Monty Larrick here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention near Dallas, Texas. And I'm joined by none other than Star Parker, the founder and president of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, otherwise known as CURE. And she is the host of CURE America on NRB TV. It's must TV, Star. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, oh, I have mine, and thank you for that. And it is um, because what we're doing is bringing the ideas of Cure to life on Cure America with Star Parker. As you know, we're a policy institute based in Washington, D.C., where we fight poverty to restore dignity with messages of faith and freedom and personal responsibility. And one of the reasons that we're here at NRB is because I'm also on the board. But I want to personally thank you and Illinois Family Institute for sponsoring pastors to be here. I had always envisioned that with our policy summit annually in Washington with our pastors that we would also have a practical summit so that they will go back with tools to change their communities without government. We want government dependency to end in particular in our most distressed communities. So and so with your gift, justice. we don't want the social justice movement. We don't want any of these ideas that are coming forth to just do one thing, take from one person to give to another. We're doing that too much. Most of Washington and the monies that come through D.C. now are transfer, and this is inconsistent with scripture. We educate pastors, we empower them, uh, and and we help them, equip them so that they will uh, go back in their communities and try to help build the lives of people that, frankly, the welfare laws have destroyed. So I just wanted to personally thank you for getting pastors here for us. You scholarships some pastors that have never been in NRB before and I think their lives are majorly changed as a result. Thank you so much, Stark. When you talk about healing urban areas, I think your definition of healing is a lot different than what the social justice people are talking about. Yeah, mine is more consistent with what Dr. King's movement was about when he said, we need repentance for revival. We need repentance for restoration. We need repentance for renewal and for redemption. No, what we're hearing today is we need revenge. We need revenge so that we can redistribute. We need revenge so that we can uh, do reparations. We're never going to forgive this country uh, for the sin of racism, even though the nation itself split because of a civil war. We were born again uh, because of that civil war, but there are some people that just cannot forgive and they are going to insist that we make others pay. And when you hear Black Lives Matter, the critical race theory people, there's not a lot of forgiveness there, is there? There's not one bit of forgiveness. And in fact, what they do is quiet the voices of anyone that wants to uh, forgive. You know, it's interesting that during the same week and perhaps even on the same day that uh, President Biden was signing uh, for Juneteenth to become a new Independence Day for the nation, was the same day that in Charleston, six years ago, a racist went into a church, slaughtered nine, wounded 13, and the people of that church forgave that man. He's in jail right now, but they forgave him and as a result God has blessed the state of South Carolina it's incredible the relationships that are developed out of that one act of forgiveness and even though it wasn't asked for the racist never asked for it in fact he's 
still appealing, uh, but the people did it. And so when you think about forgiveness, it helps the one that does the forgiving more than it helps the one that is for, is forgiven. So I think that um, we should look into the agenda of Black Lives Matters and those that are promoting critical race theory because you're not going to find it driven by ideas of forgiveness. Well, it's a communist agenda. That's exactly right. They are declared Marxists. We know that. And the only system of government that can survive with Marxism is communism. But notice that every communist country is also an atheist country. So we're at war. They're at war uh, with the church, period. They're going to try to move the church out of its role in our society and replace it with an atheistic, secular state. I don't want to be communist. And I don't want to be gay, despite all the pressure we're getting from the LGBT transgender movement. You know, it's interesting that, that not only do we not want to live life patterns that are inconsistent with the scripture, but we don't want others to live those life patterns because they're difficult life patterns. When we let people wallow in their sin, we're not doing them a favor. People need health, they need truth, they need wholeness be, as a result of that truth. But make no mistake, these folks have not stopped. They have an Equality Act, they're, they're pushing through the Congress right now. The president has said he will sign it, and what this does is it changes the civil rights Rights Act. It adds on to the Civil Rights Act, our existing Civil Rights Act. It will add what we call SOGI, Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity. This will be devastating to the body of Christ. We then, as the Christian people, will be the persecuted church. And it could even lead to the day that we will not be able to find the Bible in the public square. They've already scrubbed it from our schools. They've already scrubbed it from our corporations. They've already scrubbed it from our entertainment and media. But now they're going to scrub it from existence that we would not even be able to get a Bible. Because in communist countries, you can't get Bibles unless they're smuggled in. Mm. You recently wrote that America is in a culture war and there's no doubt who's winning. America's at a tipping point. So how do we keep from toppling over? Well, it's pretty dark, and we, it is no doubt who's winning because the, uh, you know, the secularists have taken over every aspect of our, of our lives. I mean, the churches are, are, are marching to the, to the drum of this social justice movement. The institutions, every single one of them, whether they're business institutions, whether they're educational institutions, whether they're governmental institutions. So, yeah, we're in a hot seat. But I'm hopeful because, well, the Bible says it really clearly, when sin abounds, grace much more. So we have an opportunity that the more educated people are becoming and there are for shows like yours and others include and mine when the more we're having a pushback in the public square to bring a narrative that says here's the other side of that story the better things are going to fare but it is going to get a lot darker I believe before it gets brighter how does America recover from what happened in November 2020 well the beautiful thing about America is what President Garfield said that America will always stay free if America utilizes its elections. He said, if you have recklessness and lawlessness in government, it's because you tolerate it. He said, because we gave you elections every two years, every four years, every six years. So we get to go again. We get to go again. It's important what we're seeing in different states to clean up their roles. It's important that we start strengthening um, voter integrity, but we get to go again. People are now seeing what happens when you turn over power to secular status. They're seeing what happens when those secular status are, are being, the strings are being pulled by progressives and they're not feeling it. They're not feeling it at the gas pump and they're not feeling it to have to take off work to go confront their school boards about some curriculum that they're trying to shove down their children's uh, faces. So I think that, um, I think that, yeah, I think we might be a little excited in 2022. Well, 
A lot of conservatives, pundits, are saying that Republicans will reclaim the U.S. House. So let's say that happens. What's your message for them? What do you want them to do? I want them to legislate for the 650,000 people that elected them for that particular area. What we have too much now is that people think they're the congressional leader for the world. No, you, you have a district. People that need to clean up their district. That's how this was designed in the House. The deliberation of the Senate is very different, but the House, you have 650,000 to 700,000 people. That's who you are supposed to be mindful of. And what I would say to the GOP is rediscover who you are. You better get back to truth because what we see now with the Republican Party, the, um, the article that you referred to just a moment ago is where the Republican Party is becoming a Democrat Party light. They're accepting all this LGBTQ. They're marching with BLM thinking that, well, you know, there's not too much wrong with social justice. Let's just go in there and, and just do it a little bit differently. No, what we need to do is have an opposition party in our society that tells the truth. So what I would tell legislators, and I do because that's our work in D.C., the minute they get there, the new guys, I find out what committees they're on. And if they're on a committee that touches the, my interest areas, we call it he, her, whether it's health, whether it's housing, whether it's um, education, whether it's uh, economic empowerment in our most distressed zip codes, I'm going to be meeting up with them so that I can let them know that the answer to poverty is freedom, it's personal responsibility, it's not a welfare state, and I do not want you voting to expand the welfare state. Let's go clean up the zip codes in your area, in your territory in your district. That's what congressional leaders are supposed to be doing. Not trying to make us all little robots of a secular state. I don't even know how else to describe it. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Our conversation with Star Parker continues after this. Listen, that's the sound of Illinois jobs being flushed away because of Governor Pritzker's liberal policies. While his billionaire friends have prospered, thousands of hardworking families have lost their jobs and been forced out of the state in record numbers. Pritzker's tax and regulate agenda has devastated our local businesses and slowed economic growth. It's time to fire J.B. Pritzker. It's time for bold, conservative leadership. Meet Darren Bailey, a rock-solid conservative and third-generation farmer who understands the struggles families face. In the state Senate, Bailey led the fight against Pritzker's unconstitutional orders that closed businesses and deprived us of our freedoms. As governor, Bailey will fight to lower taxes, attract new jobs, and get Illinois back on track. It's time to fire J.B. Pritzker, flush away his liberal policies, and put taxpayers first. It's time for Darren Bailey for governor. Paid for by Bailey for Illinois. An update from the Illinois Family Institute, IllinoisFamily.org. Thanks to the work of the Springfield Nativity Scene Committee, a creche is once again on display in the rotunda of the State Capitol Building in Springfield. This is a public space. It belongs to the citizens. This is a quintessentially important spot for Christians to state their message loud and clear so the world can hear it. Attorney Tom Brecka with the Thomas More Society says the nativity scene is a reminder about the good news of Christ's birth and his sacrifice for our sins. We need to proclaim that narrative as much as we can or the message will be lost. Stay informed about efforts to protect and promote free speech and the freedom of religion. Visit IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org.
Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here in Dallas, NRB Convention with Star Parker from Cure. A big part of what Cure does is education. That's writing your title. You see what's happening in government education today. You have to be concerned, but this has been a long time coming. We've seen what's going on. It's only getting worse with CRT and BLM there, and now LGBTQ and Planned Parenthood sex ed got to get the kids out, don't we? We do. In fact, I'm glad that all those things are happening because the government should never have gone into the education business. It's one thing to say to have an educated populace builds a civil society and therefore we're going to pool our resources so that we can educate other people's children. Then it's another to go in that business. We should have always had money follow children to schools parents want. Uh, we stood in the way, laws stood in the way. Most of those laws now have been overturned. We had an amazing Supreme Court decision in Espinosa that says money can follow children to schools parents want, even Christian schools. So yes, it's time to get our kids up out of these so-called schools. They're cesspools. They're government-funded funded, union-controlled cesspools. There's no redemption there, and therefore we need to take our children out of these schools so that we can have some type of wholeness and semblance of Christianity left in our society. You put part of the blame on the unions. Tell us. Well, the unions are the ones that control these schools. I mean, let's face it, everywhere you go, this is union control. Who do you think stands in the way of any time someone says, let me get my children up out of here. Let me uh, take the money with me. Let me get the quality of education. It's the unions. But the teachers don't work for the students. They work for unions. They're union employees. And so, therefore, they're, everything the union tells them to do is what they do. And they water down and justify even removing their own Bibles from their classrooms, seeing the pain in their kids' eyes and not being able to say anything. There is no way that a Christian person should be in an educational system that is demanding them to let children think that they're girls when they're boys and vice versa. This is madness what we're doing to our children these days. But when we talk about educating in our name in Washington, D.C., we educate in two areas that cure. We educate the Congress. We are working to change the laws so that we can change people's lives. But we also educate then the clergy to say, we're bringing this back to you. We should have never been in these businesses. Every church should be a school. If the Bible says train a child up in the way it should go, then why are we not doing that? Uh, we turned them over to a secular state and the end result is now parents are screaming at school board members to stop teaching them a doctrine that is inconsistent with our founding in Christianity, in capitalism, and in a constitution. What are you hearing from pastors about that idea that their church should become a school? I imagine a lot of pastors saying, well, there are liabilities and insurance problems and They'll give you all sorts of excuses. Maybe in the in the in the suburban communities they might because they want to take a more lazy, laid back uh, position. But what we find in our most distressed communities is they would love the opportunity to get back involved in education. They want the crippled child who is um, uh, doesn't have a dad. They want the opportunity to speak into their lives. But what's happening now is they get them on Sunday morning, then they have to turn them over to secular society Monday through Friday because the money doesn't follow the children. If the money Money follows the children to the schools parents want overwhelmingly all across this country where we have educational choice, parental choice, 
most of these parents, even when they have busted up lives, choose Christian schools. They might be living a whole crazy life, like the one roller coaster living, uh, but they want better for their children. So yeah, some communities are like, ah, you know, be a, you know our schools work just fine. Uh, we, we, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll just fight it on a local level to keep certain curriculums out of the school. Make no mistake, if this Equality Act passes, you won't have that option anymore. It will be in all schools that LGBTQ is now a protected class in the Civil Rights Act. And therefore, any and everything that you talk to those children about that's biblical will be illegal. Well, with or without the Equality Act, I fear that the unions and whoever will say one of these days, well, yeah, you can have your Christian school, you can have your Christian homeschool, but to be able to attend a public university, you have to have this kind of instruction too. Well, they uh, are doing that already. We know that. So it, make, it begs the Christian to say, wait a minute, why are we thinking that Harvard is all that anyway? I mean, we have to start competing for educating the population. And I think that in the competitive world that capitalism and free markets allow, the other schools will correct. What's really interesting is everywhere we see school options K through 12 where money follows children to schools parents want, the public schools are actually trying to compete. So they're getting a little bit better. What we have to do is that at the upper higher education levels as well, the university level. But we also have to start asking ourselves, why are we valuing these degrees to the extent that we are to build an elite class that is being taught all things opposite scripture? Yep. You're absolutely right. Who do you like in 2024? Who do I like in yeah. 2024? The presidential. But you candidates. know, I think there are so many of my friends are thinking about what God is saying in their heart that I think I'm going to wait until one or two of them say, Star, I'm really thinking about this on a very serious level and, and then ask me for uh, any of my ideas. Well, what policies would best benefit the work of Cure? To remove all barriers of government and the best one, the what we're going to do to unify ourselves racially, what we're going to do to heal ourselves economically and to heal our families is we need to personalize Social Security. We need money to go to IRAs instead of to the IRS. So that's our big passion is to personalize Social Security. We've worked on it. People have talked about it. We've worked with Bush when he tried to do it. But that's something that must happen. We've got to reform Social Security to include personal retirement accounts. One generation of transfer wealth in most of our hardest hit communities, including a black community, will settle all of these questions. People don't burn down Wall Street if they own Wall Street. When are you going to run for office again? I won't run for office. Actually, what had happened when I ran the last time is I got talked into doing something that God got quiet on me um, because I had already launched Cure and I knew his work for me was at Cure and I will not walk away until I'm finished my work at Cure. Well, you're trying to build your pastor's network. How can pastors get involved? Pastors can get involved by um, going to curepolicy.org urbancure.org and signing up just ask for information about our clergy you know it's a clergy network and so we're very selective about the pastors that come in because we want pastors that come in that not only read the bible but believe the bible then when they believe the bible then they might not see that such a big federal hand uh, to solve people's individual problems the challenge we're having with a big welfare state is god made us very unique unique not only in our existence but unique in our problems so therefore we cannot have a one-size-fits-all government welfare state that thinks everybody is the same. So if I'm not a pastor, how can I come alongside CURE? 
Well, you can certainly help our work because we are a 501c3, so generous donations is how we survive. Decent people in quiet communities helping us get the work done to dismantle the government charity business, if you will, the war on poverty. We want it ended. So we believe that charity belongs to local communities and to the church. So people can give to us on curepolicy.org. They can go to urbancure.org, and we welcome all gifts. And your program on NRB, <laughs> I was just overwhelmed here at the Religious Broadcasters Convention about what great content you have. Thank you. What happens with the show is it follows my column. My show follows the column, and the reason that I do that is because I've been a syndicated columnist now for 20 years, and all the data shows us that the people I'm trying to really reach, the African-American community that has told pollsters for 30 years that they are evangelical and conservative, there's like, that's like a third of the community. They're evangelical, they're conservatives, but they need to understand that the same God that said don't kill said don't steal, and it's the same coin, and so you can't believe the Bible and then still buy into a, a welfare uh, existence. So what I did was after looking at the data that showed that most blacks watch their news instead of read their news, I turned my column into a show, Cure America with Star Parker. So you'll start seeing that, oh, what she wrote about is now what she's talking about. And that's, um, and we have panel, we have discussion. I can get really interestingly engaged with my panel and my interviews. Listen, let me tell you folks, Star doesn't hold back, okay? <laughs> we're having fun. But what we're doing is I say, my little tagline, if you will, is we're sorting through the noise of the news to find some truth. And that's what I'm walking my audience through with Cure America. Well, John Lennon once said, just give me some truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, it doesn't hurt. Uh, well, yes, it does. <laughs> Sometimes it hurts, but the healing's coming after. Uh, and I think that that's what most people really want, lives of peace and healing. And the only way to get that sometime is for people to, to repent of sin. But if you say you haven't sinned, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself and you're calling God a liar. So I would rather uh, that next scripture that says, but if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So that's the truth people need to hear. And that's hope. Thank it's you hope. so much, Star Parker. You're welcome. Star, once again, the contact information folks need to be part of the Pastors Network and uh, just to come alongside Cure. Cure America is the show. Cure Policy is the organization. So curepolicy.org is how you're going to find us. Curepolicy.org, urbancure.org, but curepolicy.org, they all go to the same exact place. And we would love to hear from you. And especially if you're a pastor in a very distressed neighborhood, because you're going to meet other pastors of very like mind that are wanting to build those walls together, like Nehemiah uh, showed us the example of how to do it. Thank you so much, Star. You're God welcome. bless you and Thank your you. work. Thank you. You seem to have a good time at what you do, and I appreciate that. I do. Thank you so All much. All right. And thank you folks for tuning in. God bless you. Until next time, be strong, be active, be courageous, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.